This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello, America. Last night I was on Megyn Kelly and she said, you know, who do you think is going to win this election? I said, I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, Donald Trump looks like he is going down in flames this week. Next week, he could be on top. I have absolutely no idea. And here's why I don't. Did you see the, did you see the story about what Barack Obama gave to the Iranians for the release of our hostages. $400 million bribe. We sent it over on pallets. We stacked cash up and flew an unmarked plane into Tehran to pay them $400 million in cash. I don't think anybody's going to give a flying crap. I don't think anybody cares that just the idea that we had arms to the Contras to be able to set um, uh, the, the, the El Salvadorians free of communism, that idea was abhorrent that we sent arms for hostages to Iran that almost brought down the Reagan administration. And there were hearings everywhere. That's why we know Oliver North. Um, you think there's even going to be any hearings on this? Do you think America will stop for a second? So somebody says, oh, I know who's going to win. No, they don't. You can no longer predict the American people. But let's talk about Russia. Let's talk about things that are predictable. And let's start with a very odd place to start on that. The predictable uh, outcome of the Olympics in a socialized nation. We go there right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glen. Right, right. Hello and uh, welcome to the uh, program. We're going to get into the $400 million. Oh, that was just all part of the program. Uh, really? Then why did we do it in the cover of darkness? Why did, we, why did we do that? Why did we do that? Why didn't the president just come out and say, and by the way, I had to... Uh-huh. Forgot. Yeah, I forgot I about that $400 million and what it took to get that money over there and the central banks that we had to go to, not here in the United States, God forbid... Glenn, that was just the first installment of the $1.7 billion we owed them. That's all that right. was. Right. That's all that was. Yeah, amazing. Why did you hide it? Why did you hide it? Uh, we, we, we didn't. Uh, we didn't. We didn't hide that. Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. It's a 
Nobody's you gonna... know about it, don't you? How did we hide it if you know about it? <laughs> All right. Nobody is going to care about this. Nobody is going to no, care about not. it. Nobody cares about anything anymore. And it's time for common sense to rule. Look, remember, this is the Olympics that was the first, dare I say it, chink in the armor of this president. Oh. Yes. Wow. Yes. You hear what he said? Yes. So the first chink in the armor against this president. Do you remember? Yeah, because he, he was pushing really hard for Chicago. Uh, not just pushing really hard. He, he brought Oprah Winfrey and everybody with him, remember? Yeah. And they all flew over to whatever godforsaken country in Europe. And they were saying, hey, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. And they picked Brazil. Yeah. Now, good I choice. want you to know. Good choice. It's a very good choice. Very good choice. It's going to work out well. Yeah. Um, I just want you to know, before we get into any of this, it's countries like Brazil that are leading the way Thank in you. global warming and, yes. and, and showing yes. us the, the way. Edge. Cutting edge. Showing us the way yes. to be able to live with and in harmony with our planet. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's talk about the water <laughs> that is now being told to the swimmers, mm-hmm. you're totally fine unless... You emerge, unless you put your head into the water. If you submerge your head into the water, you have a really good chance of getting an infectious disease or virus. Well, here's the thing. It's, the water is just slightly more polluted. This is an important point. I want you to listen yeah. to this. because I, I, it's I don't being, want people to exaggerate yeah, this. It's blowing it way out of proportion. The water is just slightly more polluted than is an acceptable level in the United States. And it is slight. It's just, I mean, tiny bit more. Like 5% more. No, 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 1. 1.7. 1.7. Oh. 1.7. million times well, more. Forget about the million. 1.7. 1. 1. Well, that's times. lower than 5. Million yes, times more polluted than is acceptable. 1.7 million. Yeah, but even with the 1.7 million, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to rarely cause heart and brain inflammation. So don't. Oh, that's all right. Okay. Oh, don't even worry okay. about it. Because I want to go. I want. I've taken care of my body. I'm. Right. I'm an Olympic athlete. What I want to do is just start swimming. Where was it yesterday or the day before? They found dead bodies. It was a couple days. ago. A couple days ago. So they found a couple of dead bodies and yeah, lawn chairs and furniture and garbage and infectious Shoes, diseases. Diapers. Uh, uh, by the way, only waste. Only infectious disease in ninety percent of the waters uh, of the water samples. So that leaves a 10% chance that you're swimming in an area that doesn't have an infectious disease. Right, so pick your path wisely. Yes, exactly right. You know, you might have to go back and forth and sway a little bit around the... Avoid the diapers. diapers Avoid the diapers. Feces and dead Mm -hmm. bodies. But other I know, when I think about Olympics, I I think, wow. First of all, Olympics revolve around tourism. Where people really make their cash, where these cities make back the billions of dollars that their com- their country spent without them endorsing it um uh they spent billions of dollars to build all of the, the all the things where they really rake in the cash is on the visitors and i have to tell you brazil how much do you want to go now oh my gosh between zika and the water <laughs> oh i want to go like crazy well, and the crime I well mean, and the crime you want to sure. be a part of that too. yeah well it's but it's not, it's not like it is the crime capital of the world. 
Oh, I mean, like, it is. It is like it is like that. It, it, it is, is like, like it. No, 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 like no, like no, is. no. You're saying it is. I'm saying it's not like it is. Right. So it Who's is right. Okay, you're right. You're well, both right. okay. Right. You're both right. Yes. If you go and stay in the hotel, you should be fine. Well, not all hotels. Many, many, Some many, hotels. many, many, Some many hotels are not safe. But hmm, neither are the streets or it, just being out at night. But it's going to be great. So this country, which is in you know desperate financial shape, has spent twelve billion dollars on this, and and they say it'll probably wind up being more like twenty billion. And it, it's so bad with the crime and with the pollution and with uh, the, the infrastructure that everybody else has experienced over the last you know fifty years of doing this that nobody wants these games anymore. And it's so bad that. There were 11 cities that built that bid for the uh, for the summer games in 2004. For the games in 2022, the winter games, it's gone from 11 cities bidding to two. <laughs> One was in Kazakhstan, and the other was Beijing, China. Unless you want to go to. Kazakhstan. Please tell me that they picked Kazakhstan. Uh, no, they picked <laughs> Beijing, China. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, no surprise. It's probably surprise. not because. It's probably not because there's no there's not enough money to bribe people. No, I'm sure Kazakhstan. that had nothing to do yeah. with it. <laughs> it's, no. it's, it had nothing to do with right. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now they're saying, you know, maybe we just find a permanent permanent place for the Olympics. Uh and here's another idea. With there. Here's another idea. We can just stop doing them. You could do that. You know. We we that. went what four thousand years without doing them last time. <laughs> we could take a few years off this time. Hell, if we just break for a hundred years. We're still ahead of the game, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know what killed the, the Olympics? The downfall of the Soviet Union. It was always good against evil. I used to watch these all the time, and it was good against evil. Now you're like, eh, uh, who wins a big deal? You know what I mean? It's just it doesn't mean as much as it used to. I'm totally with you on this. Because um, when I was a kid, I loved watching Loved them. I have zero interest in it now. And we just watched, uh, we did a, a segment yesterday on Pat and Stu where we showed the abandoned former Olympic sites. It's unbelievable. These places invest billions and billions of dollars and 10, 12 years later, sometimes even less, it's just abandoned wastelands. These, you know, uh, overgrown fields. Even Beijing, 2008. Pictures of the, all the fields are overgrown. Uh, you know, nature is taking the stadium back yeah. uh-huh. already. It's already happening in Beijing. It's already happening in uh, Well, hang on Sochi, just a second. Russia. No, that doesn't happen. No, that does not happen. It doesn't. Remember, ATVs on the desert in Utah, <laughs> we learned from the president that yeah. that is doing permanent damage to, huge the, problem. to the floor. ATVs of, and huge. motorcycles. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. The earth can't repair itself from that. No. But what, I mean, what are the Olympics other than a giant stimulus program? The, that's, it's the jobs. same philosophy. Oh, we're going to create jobs. We're going to boost the economy. No, we no. need to put all this money into it. And then a few years later, you find out it's a giant wasteland. No, it's not just that. It's not just that. It is, um, uh, it is more akin to the ghost cities in China. Yeah. Yeah. You build something... Yeah. I mean, at least this has at a least week's worth of use. Yeah. That is, yeah. Right, but that's the same days. thing. It, the ghost cities are another stimulus program. It's right. all, I know, I know. It's all a modified stimulus program. It's funny, and the, the Beijing one was the one surprising uh, city out of all this because of the ghost cities. China builds cities for no reason and keeps them beautiful, even though no one lives there because they want to have a giant stimulus and keep people to work and get their numbers up. 
you, you're, it's kind of surprising they would let these stadiums go into ruin this quickly. I mean, and they just keep them up for appearances, usually. Which you wonder if there's more significant issues in China than has been reported. What are you talking about? I know. It's no, they're, they're way ahead. They're, no, they're leading the world. They're yeah. on the cutting edge. They're on the cutting edge of... No. of on the cutting edge. I did see that in any environmentalism. truth, but yeah. I, I don't yeah. think that that is accurate. Maybe. No, I, I think it is. Environmentalism, they're leading the way. Economy, they're hey, leading the way. They, they are, this in is India. the new system. I don't know if you guys know this, but China is the new model. And it works. China, Russia, and Brazil. Yes, that's uh-huh. the, new the new model. model. Works. And believe me, it is the new model. Mm-hmm. I mean, here is, um, uh, was it Brazil? I think it was Brazil. I think I was watching, uh, I was watching something on the Olympics. I was watching some news. And I thought I heard it was in Brazil. It was, because they were talking about the health care and, you know, what they're setting up for the, um, the athletes. To get emergency surgery in this socialized medicine world of Brazil, which is, again, leading the way. They're way ahead of us. Oh, way yeah. ahead of us. The best health care in the best world. Best health care in the world. Yeah. How long does it take you to get emergency surgery done? Oh, Brazil? I'm sure. It's an emergency, so it's... it's an emergency. Within five, six days, right? Well, <laughs> it's an emergency. Right. you got to have it within five or six days. Right. How long would emergency surgery take you to get here in the United States? Oh, uh, right now. Uh, the time it takes you to get to the hospital. Right. My dog got emergency <laughs> surgery in one day. Right. Okay. A day. A day. A one day. day. A dog. My dog had emergency surgery at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. That's right. I mean, I yeah. we spotted it. We brought him to the, the hospital. They did Is x-rays. The stomach flip thing? Yeah. They br- we brought x-rays. As we brought the dog in, the doctor was called to get out of bed and come. And within an hour, the dog was out and under the knife. The dog in Brazil, emergency surgery can be scheduled as quickly as six weeks. Wow. Yeah. Six. Is it really six weeks? Six weeks. My gosh. Six weeks. But they're leading the way. America is. Uh, I got news for you. That is leading the way to where we're going. It is. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is. That's exactly what they're doing. It is. Get used to it, America, because it's being promised by both sides these days. But the nice thing is, you're living in a beautiful place uh, where you know you. While you wait for your emergency surgery for six weeks, you can at least go to the beach and see the beautiful water where the diapers are. Washing up on the shore. Yeah. Just keep your mouth closed if you yeah. do go swimming. Uh, yeah, they right. did advise that. So honestly, if you're an athlete, do you go? If you're a if you're a long distance swimmer, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not going. Oh, you can't go. You're, not you've doing worked it. your entire life. I'm not doing it to get through to get to this event, and you're going to bail on it after. If you put, for your if you life? what is it? If you drink, what is it? Three tablespoons of the water. Drink less than three tablespoons. Less than three tablespoons. You're pretty much guaranteed of getting something. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's I mean, no way you're a long-distance swimmer and you're not ingesting oh. three tablespoons. No, but I mean, you know, you might get something. You might. You might. You I'm know, sure they're getting night, nicely gonna... inoculated against whatever, but that's no guarantee. And no, I... But you're going to risk it. I mean, think about this. Think about what these people have gone through. 
I mean, you know, oh, I know. 30 hours of training every week their entire life. I mean, they, they, they can't just skip the Olympics. It's four years until there's another one. That's why 1980 yeah. hurt so bad. Yeah. When we skipped the Russian games. I mean, and they had no choice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there would have been some people who stood on principle still, but I, I'm sure that killed those athletes. I mean, I, this, this is it, right? Like, you, in, you're in these, especially these sports. It's not like, the you know, Carmelo Anthony is playing in the, uh, in the Olympics and the next year he gets to go play for the Knicks. I mean, you know, this is like you're, you're, you're a long-distance swimmer. What else are you shooting for? <laughs> like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Is there another, other than just swimming for fun? I mean, I you know, I know there's other competitions. But this is don't. pretty much it. It's I the mean, there's I, a lot of money in swimming. A lot of money in professional really? swimming. Yeah. Professional well, what's his name? Wait a minute. What's a his name? He made a lot of money, didn't yes, he? he has. And he's Ooh. going back. Oh, Michael, Michael Phelps. First of all, that's not yeah. long distance swimming. But second, yeah, I know. But swimming, you said there's a lot of money in swimming. Right. There is. Yeah, for well, one guy, the last twenty yes. years, yes. When you've won twenty. Well, then there was Mark Spitz. But yeah, what year was that? Right? I don't know. We don't need to get technical on it. You know, there's two guys in, 50 in my years, lifetime. That's not, <laughs> not bad, but it's, right. it's, it might be. You might want to make the Olympics. By the way, both of those guys were in the Olympics, which is why they made money. <laughs> so. You're forgetting all of the other swimmers that have gone on to. Yes, that's my point. I've forgotten all of them. <laughs> and now this. Identity thieves have a new strategy. They hack into your mobile phone account and cash in your data plan to buy phones that they can sell. We're going to do a show on TV here soon. We were talking about it yesterday, about, about getting these guys who are hackers, just from Dallas, hackers coming in, showing how quickly they can hack into anyone's phone and route information uh, from, their, from their hack point through the phone into something else and hack just this building, how quickly it can be done. People need to know what is happening because of Russia, this is just, you know, these would be some guys who are just local hackers, not people who have a state behind them like Russia. They use your, uh, your identification to pretend that they're, your, that they're you, and then they can buy things on your credit, liquidate bank accounts, or even get your retirement funds. Later on in the program, I'm going to lay out again some new information on Russia that you need to know. I am convinced as much as I was the caliphate. That, um, well, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. I want you to hear the whole theory. We're in trouble with Russia and nobody's paying attention. Right now, protect yourself against the identity thieves that are out there. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available. Membership starts at $9.99 a month plus the sales tax. Go to LifeLock.com. Or call 800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK and you get 10% off your membership for LifeLock Ultimate Plus. Call 1-800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. Promo code BECK. LifeLock.com. 800-440-4936. Mercury Museum presents Liars or Liberty. Featuring thousands of artifacts from early America, World War II, pop culture, and more. All on display at the Mercury Studios in Las Colinas, Texas, August 5th through the 7th. Visit glennbeck.com slash liars or liberty for tickets and details. Glenn Beck. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. 
okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, oh. hey, real quick, just an update. <laughs> um, the revolution continues. Tim Hulescamp, uh, GOP representative, Congress three-term incumbent, House Freedom Caucus member, one of the founding guys from Canvas, uh, Kansas, 92% Freedom Works uh, score, very, very great with the Constitution and spending and everything else. Uh, he lost his race yesterday. Uh, to a physician who was backed by Big Ag, um, people uh, quoting here, Brian Baker, president of uh, ESA Fund, Super PAC, which spent over a million dollars against Hules Camp. People uh, overuse the word historic, but this actually is. Incumbents rarely uh, lose, uh, which tells us voters are demanding that Republicans in Congress work together to advance a fiscally conservative agenda and actually end the out-of-control spending, not just grandstand. Exact opposite. Exact opposite. So big ag who wanted all the farm subsidies supported this guy. He won, and now he's saying that's because the voters are saying they want an end to all the out-of-control spending. World's upside down. Oh, man. Uh, Tim, thank you for all that you did for our country. Thanks for standing, and I hope you don't go away. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. basic level, we are all afraid of something. Progressives exploit these fears by offering us solutions based on lies and a hunger for power and control. Get the truth with Liars, a new book by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Let's look at, um... no, I just can't get to it yet. I I can't get to politics yet. I just, I I can't do it. It's insane what's happening. We're going to have more on um, Russia, and let me, let me get into this just a little bit. For those of you who have been with me for a long time and know my record of, of some of the big things um, that we have done, uh, the financial crash, the, um, uh, the caliphate, Benghazi, did you hear what WikiLeaks Julian Assange says he's going to release next? No. He has proof that Hillary Clinton was involved in running guns from Benghazi to Syria. And he's going to release that next. Uh, but nobody will anybody care. care? No, yeah, nobody will care. Nobody will care. I care because three days into it, that's what we said, and no one would listen. Mm-hmm. No one would listen. 
Okay, so, um, you know, we have a pretty decent record on some pretty big things. Uh, the Summer of Rage. I think we called that one pretty well uh, four years ago that this would be the Summer of Rage. I want to share with you, uh, and we're going to be following this story a lot on this program, and I'm doing a lot of chalkboard episodes on this. In fact, I'm going to see if we can sort the all of this topic, sort it by topic, and prepare it for you and maybe even show it in a week-long um, uh, series, um, all of the shows that we have done on Russia, because you really need to pay attention because no one else is doing this. Nobody else that I know of. Do you know anybody who is doing Alexander Dugan reporting and, and doing the reporting that we're doing right no. now in Russia? No. Nobody. And it is the most important thing. And I feel a growing sense that I, and I, I don't know if this is right yet, so take it with a grain of salt, but I'm, I'm beginning to believe that this is the same kind of, uh, I'm feeling the same way I did at the beginning of the caliphate prediction, if you will. That it's the same kind of the same kind of thing that people are going to dismiss it, and I need to warn you about this. And here it is. Do you remember what Osama bin Laden said right after two thousand? That at first, I was like, "What?" No, he. I'm sorry. He said it right before uh, September 11th. And at first, when he said this, I thought, "What an arrogant dude." I mean, you, and, and you're, you're wrong historically. Do you remember what he said he was going to do to the United States, Stu? Osama bin Laden came out and said, I will do to the United States. Oh, what? Uh, uh, what I did to Russia, to the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He took the credit for the takedown of the Soviet Union. And when I first read that, I went, it was Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, and Pope John Paul that brought down the Soviet Union. No, no, we have to add one more name. It was Osama bin Laden. Now listen to this. Osama bin Laden gets them mired in a war in Afghanistan. And what happens? They're spending all this money on the war. They're fighting, they're losing. The morale of the country goes so low because they've lost their way. They have Mikhail Gorbachev, who was not a real communist strongman. They'd always had true communist strongmen, okay? But they start flirting with this idea that maybe we can do communism and a little capitalism. So they lose their true compass north with their leadership, and or south in their case. But they, they, they realize that, uh, you know, maybe communism, maybe we can do a little bit of this. Maybe we'll ease up a little bit on this. And so they start to lose control. And Gorbachev is not the same kind of communist that they've always had. And a fundamental transformation is starting called glasnost. And then they get um, mired in this war. And what happens there? They don't, they're not winning. They were predicting a fast win, a big win, because they're the Soviet Union. They're not winning. 
the morale of the country goes down and they start to doubt that they're even a superpower anymore. Their, their soldiers come back, they're depressed, they're, they're strung out. The government doesn't have the money to take care of them anymore. They're not welcoming them back as heroes. They're just coming back into society and all kinds of problems are happening with them and nobody in the government is taking care of them. And all of the parents of those sons and daughters are saying, what are we doing over there? What is this even for? But the government keeps going. Then we sense that there's a real problem. And so John Paul, Margaret Thatcher, and Ronald Reagan conspire together, if you will, to attack them and take them apart. Culturally, John Paul is internally taking them apart and calling on his people, the Christians of Poland in particular, to rise up. Now is the time to rise up. We are funding covertly uh, programs inside the Soviet Union to overturn the Soviet Union, to cause problems in the streets. We send our own special forces in there towards the very end. England is doing the same thing. And it's that pressure that collapses the Soviet Union in 1991. Putin said that that collapse was the biggest mistake of the 20th century that should be corrected. I believe he is correcting it right now. I believe he sees that we are at the same point the Soviet Union was in in 1990. And he is now messing with our elections. We know because of Dugan that he is funneling money all over Europe to destabilize Europe. And he's funding the far right in Europe. He is funding anyone who is calling for anarchy, chaos, or fascism. You can bet that they're doing it here in the United States. They did it in the 1960s when it was the Soviet Union. Are you telling me that they're not funding programs here in the United States. It's only George Soros that is funding things like Black Lives Matter, that Russia is hands-off. There's no money coming, being funneled from Russia. There's no help coming from Russia in here to the United States. They're hacking our servers. They are telling Americans what we already know. Our system is completely corrupt. And Dugan is saying... We have to do this because America is close to revolution. Gang, they are, they are doing to us what we did to them in 1991. Now, what we have to think is, what was it like in 1991, 2, 3, 4, and 5 after the collapse of the Soviet Union? How did those people survive? Well, one way, the West was at its zenith. The West was at its peak of power. And the West went in and helped them because we wanted to invest. We wanted to bring them into the world. They don't want to do that. We wanted to bring them our standard of living. So we went in and we started buying their airlines and and everything else. We sent I mean, I know this sounds ridiculous, but we sent McDonald's and KFC. We transformed them or tried to into a capitalist country. 
but they didn't have the morals to be able to do it. They didn't have the restraint. So oligarchs came about and it became, became run by a Russian mafia. And so they went from one totalitarian regime to another totalitarian regime. Well, I got news for you. The rest of the Western world is not going to be able to help us because if the United States collapses, the entire Western world collapses. And if China can withstand, China becomes the world power. If Russia can withstand it, Russia will become the world power. But at least Russia is, Russia is thinking about it. Russia is doing, I mean, they're pulling this off They're trying to collapse us so you know that they have been smart enough. Putin is smart enough to go, okay, when it collapses, what does it look like? When it collapses, how do we survive and come out on top? Otherwise, if we don't have that plan in order, I don't want to collapse anybody. You tell me how we survive, and then you can go ahead and collapse it. Russia, you know Putin is smart enough to figure that out, especially since he's already gone through a revolution in his own country. He knows what revolutions can do. So he's thinking of this this way. Nobody on our side is thinking of that. The other countries that survive are the countries in the Middle East that are already living in poverty, squalor, and caves. I... I, I, will tell you I, I've done enough and I haven't I haven't done this except for my own interest in it. I remember reading stuff of the collapse of the Soviet unions where the Russian gangs would come into towns. Does anybody remember this? They would come into towns and if you were at work, they squatted in your house and they said you'd come home and they'd say, This isn't your house, this is my house. Do you have paperwork for your house? Well, they'd already taken over the banks. They'd already taken over your house. This isn't your house. Prove this is your house. Well, I, I, I have a driver's license that has my address on it. Those aren't valid anymore. Show me your title for the house. Well, I, I don't have it. Well, you have a choice. You can either leave off of our property or we'll kill you and your whole family. People left. People who had money bought their own house back and that's the Russian gangs that's what they did because there was no rule of law for quite some time in rural areas we need to figure out what collapse in so the Soviet Union looked like because it may not turn out that way but I will tell you this I can make a very compelling case that that is, in their own words, that is what they're doing to us right now. And the only reason why I was right on the caliphate was not because I'm some genius that can look into a crystal ball. I just took them at their own words. I read what they said they wanted to do. I watched to see if they were doing any of it. And I said... This is their intent. This is what's coming. Right now with Russia, you read the words of Dugan and Putin. What are they saying they want to do to us? Is there any evidence that they're doing those things? 
Now, I told you a year ago that, yes, they're doing it in Europe right now. And I warned you that they were starting to lay ties into our churches here in America. The last piece is here. They are trying to collapse the system into revolution by going after Hillary Clinton, the DNC, and our confidence in the election process, our confidence in the parties, which is zero. They have said they're going to do it. They are doing it. Now, we can either choose to pay attention to it and prepare and have hope in the future because we are not burying our heads in the sand, or we can, we can eat, drink, and, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's our choice. This program is going to cover this in the coming weeks and months, and we're going to be prepared for whatever might come our way. God forbid that it does. And now this. Fear is healthy. A, a rational amount of fear is a gift Dogs have fear. People have reason. And sometimes you let the fear gets out of control. We have this in my new book of uh, uh, lies. Fear is good up to a certain point, and then it just shuts off your rational mind. But you need to have a healthy dose of fear of think the stove is hot, fire will burn. You'll drown in the swimming pool if you can't swim. That stuff is good as long as it's rational. What is coming? I don't know. I really don't know. But I will tell you anything from a flood to revolution on the streets is actually possible now and beginning to be probable. What food do you have in case you lose your job? We were talking this morning, a banking holiday that they took for, what, two weeks during uh, the Great Depression we at least had money and food to survive. Now our, our grocery stores are out of food within the first three days, completely out, most likely out the first day. And we all live from ATM to ATM. If there's a bank holiday, how does that work? Please, please call my Patriot Supply. Four weeks of food for only $99. That is 50% off the price. You are never going to regret spending $100 to make sure that you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a month. I guarantee you. Call 800-200-7163. 800-200-7163. You can also go to preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. 800-200-7163. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Um, by the way, if you're interested in what we were talking about with Russia and you want to find out more about it, um, page 264 begins to talk about the infiltration, uh, sowing political turmoil, and phase three, political system X. How would a revolution be done in America? You can find it in the new book, Liars, available everywhere by me right now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
Yesterday, my new book, Liars, came out, How Progressives Exploit Our Fears for Power and Control. We dedicate a chunk of that book to FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Last week, Hillary Clinton invoked FDR, one of her heroes. Today, we'll show you why that might be a cause for concern. Episode number two, our installment on the serials on progressive liars, begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, that and progressivism. The nation had scarcely regained its footing from the constitutional crisis created by FDR's hero, Woodrow Wilson. A man who, among other things, oversaw the internment of over 170,000 American citizens without probable cause, due process, or any sort of trial. In subsequent years, FDR would be following Wilson's blueprint. For now, as he took the oath of office, he considered the future and the past. The man in the morning coat and top hat sat rigid, his veins coursing with adrenaline. But his head had never been more clear. He, and more important, his nation, had been waiting for this moment for decades. The reins of the federal government had become dust-covered, untouched for too long. They had to be grabbed and the slack run out on behalf of the people. And if a whip had to be taken to the concentrated powers and the princes of property to give the forgotten man his fair shake, so be it. A wry smile crossed his lips. No longer would the weak use federal power for piddling projects in the face of crisis while labor lay dormant. No longer would the strong businessmen of the great trusts and their lapdog money changers be left to shape society to their selfish whims. The ship of state was his now for the steering toward a more social, equitable, and fair system. Planning was to be the operative word of the day. Rather than wasteful, oligarchic, haphazard individualism, could the politicians who surrounded him continue just to stand there, dazed and daunted, in the face of the rot of laissez-faire lunacy? No. The invisible hand was to be brought into the night of day. There was nothing to fear but fear itself, and he knew there was no one better equipped to fill the vacuum of incompetency and inaction than himself the newly elected President of the United States. Franklin Delano Roosevelt put his enamel cigarette holder to his lips, struck a match, and took a long drag. Thick smoke twirling in the cool air like so many of the dreams he was about to fulfill. In that moment, he thought back to his days as a student at Groton and the much richer boys who never respected him. He thought of the last laugh he was sure to get over the bankers, the lawyers, the industrialists who had doubted his cunning and intellect at Harvard and then at Columbia Law. 
They thought they were powerful. Well, they will just have to watch. He thought of his late cousin Teddy and how it was time to finally make good on the bold, progressive vision and vigorous executive power that he had championed. He thought about how Teddy had commanded the bully pulpit and breathed life into the American people. He thought about how through sheer personality and grit, he too could marshal the resources of the nation for more social ends, not to mention his own. He thought of Woodrow Wilson, who had appointed him as Assistant Secretary of the Navy, just as President William McKinley had done decades earlier for Teddy. He knew he could take Wilson's revolutionary but academic critique of America and mold it into something practical and concrete. He knew that he had not merely been pandering months earlier at the 1932 Democratic Convention when he said, Let us feel that in everything we do, there still lives with us, if not the body, the great, indomitable, unquenchable, progressive soul of our Commander-in-Chief, Woodrow Wilson. He thought back to his days at Hyde Park and his responsibility now to command a much larger estate. He thought about how he had been preparing for this day his entire life. Many more thoughts about the power and influence he could wield went through his head that day. And then, with one hand on the Bible and his right hand raised, FDR took the oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Well, he could certainly defend his vision of the Constitution, which was redistribution of wealth, wildly expanded government, seizing power for the executive branch, and imprisoning U.S. citizens without cause, as he did with so many Japanese Americans. Evacuation. More than 100,000 men, women, and children, all of Japanese ancestry, removed from their homes in the Pacific Coast states to wartime communities established in out-of-the-way places. Their evacuation did not imply individual disloyalty, but was ordered to reduce a military hazard at a time when danger of invasion was great. Two-thirds of the evacuees are American citizens by right of birth. The rest are their Japanese-born parents and grandparents. The people are not under suspicion. They are not prisoners. They are not internees. They are merely dislocated people, the unwounded casualties of war. Roosevelt's philosophy was perhaps best articulated by the man who helped author his first inaugural address. This little-known Columbia University professor who would help form the inner intellectual sanctum of FDR's presidency, the Brain Trust, wrote of FDR, He believed that government not only could, but should achieve the subordination of private interests to collective interests, substitute cooperation for the mad scramble of selfish individualism. He had a profound feeling for the underdog, a real sense of the critical unbalance of economic life, a very keen awareness that political democracy could not exist side by side with economic plutocracy. The professor noted that, as with other inglorious liberals in America, Roosevelt drew directly on the likes of Woodrow Wilson, Herbert Crawley, and Walter Lippmann, among a who's who of other progressives. But perhaps learning from progressive titans before him, FDR knew he had a branding problem. The term progressivism was waning in the 1920s. 
The years between Wilson and FDR had witnessed America's return to its small government roots under Presidents Harding and Coolidge. In foreign affairs, the horrors of World War I called into question the idealistic notion that mankind was becoming more humane and more perfect with each successive generation. Progressivism was also being identified rightly with German philosophy, which had become far less appealing once the Kaiser unleashed a calamitous war on the world. At home, the American economy was booming. So while Herbert Hoover had been technocratic, like George W. Bush preceding Barack Obama, he laid the groundwork for programs that Roosevelt would later expand in crisis. Progressivism still receded. All of this led to FDR's purposeful rebranding of progressive ideology. During the 1932 Democratic National Convention, he explained, Ours must be a party of liberal thought, of planned action, on enlightened international outlook, and on the greatest good to the greatest number of our citizens. FDR's new liberalism clearly betrayed the classic liberal thought of John Locke and Adam Smith, not to mention men who signed the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. It was a noble lie, a label cynically reappropriated to obscure the total break from the older meaning and tradition that progressive ideology represented. This new interpretation of American politics and governance that elevated the state above the individual, which had begun under Teddy Roosevelt and Wilson, accelerated under FDR. Rights no longer came from the individual, much less God, but directly from the government. This was everything that classical liberals had come to reject about the divine right of monarchs and the tendency of the state to trample individual liberty. FDR redefined progressives, the office of the presidency, and the United States Constitution. More on that in the next episode. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Forces and you know what is really fascinating is if you if you listen to that, especially when he was elected the first time, did you notice that he de- redefined progressivism? Okay, so he said it was liberal because he knew that the American people were starting to go back to their roots. And so in that convention, FDR is talking about the roots of America and the founding fathers and our documents, while at the same time, In his speeches, he is also talking about, let's remember Woodrow Wilson and progressivism. Mm -hmm. I think this is the same thing that just happened with the DNC. They were were speaking about full-out Marxism in their policies. But they wrapped it around. They did exactly what FDR did. It's amazing. It's really true. That's really, I hadn't thought of it at the time, but yeah. when you see this episode yeah. and listen to this episode and think back to the convention, it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. It's the same, it's the same thing. And it's we, brilliant. We have to, we have to uh, when you go to glenbeck.com serials, you can see all the serials and all the topics, and there are four serials in each topic. This one is about progressives um, due to the new book, Liars, um, and it's based a lot on uh, the book Liars. But as you... As you um, uh, watch and listen to them, share them with other people. But we need to have some sort of a forum on these where you can start talking about the 
similarities and what we're supposed to learn. I mean, we, we look at history. We should be applying this to, for instance, there. You just saw them do this again. Yeah. As America starts to lean back and say, wait a minute, I kind of like the... Did you see what is beating liars on Amazon.com right now? No. The Constitution of the United States. In their best sellers, overall best sellers, the Constitution. You know what I was I was reading though. Really? Inter- interestingly, yeah. um, that two is, different versions of it. That is not wow. because uh, how what has been the cause of this for many many years. Yes, it's because Democrats are now buying it. Yes, because of the whole con thing. Right, they all want their own little pocket constitution so they can wave it at Trump supporters. Um, which, you know, oh, ironic. Is that what's really are, happening? Or, or That is what uh, the reports are. Really? That it's just, it's just a That's a why the burst. Why, why, well, I'm not, they'll I, read it. I, they may, I'm, not, I'm not judging what they're going to do with it. Okay. I can certainly take a guess. I know that it was. Buy, it's, I, it's know that they, I know that it was Khan that brought that to yeah. the attention. But I was really heartened that there are two different copies that are ahead of liars. Two copies of the Constitution. Obviously, two. more comp- Constitution, the, the better. I don't know what. Yeah, I know. It, it, can't, it can't hurt. I've never seen that. So America leans back and says, hey, I want to let's look at that Constitution. Let's look at our founding documents. At the same time, the packaging says that the message is hardcore progressive Marxist ideas. It's it's phenomenal to watch this thing unfold in real time. And now this. When you have to hire somebody, um, you know, for your business, it is it's really hard. It's really hard, especially if you're a small business, because you don't have an HR department. You don't have somebody. I mean, you're short staffed already. And I know we're like this all the time. I, I haven't gotten around to write a job description yet. Have we posted that job description yet? I know I, I haven't had a chance to post that yet. It's, it's, it's got to be that way in your business. ZipRecruiter has helped us a lot. When we're trying to find somebody, we use ZipRecruiter.com. Um, and what, they, what you do is you, you post your job. With one click, you can post at all of the job sites, 100-plus job sites, including Facebook and, and Twitter, with one click. Then they have this interface that when they come in, you can pull from, I don't know, over 6 million um, uh, candidates that are in resumes that are already there. Uh, and you can narrow it down to your location, your region, the job, um, all different filters that you can use. But then you can look through those and filter them down to what you're looking for. And then on top of that, all of the things that are responding directly to you come in as well. And you can filter those as well. It's a great tool. You can use it for free right now because they know that once you use it once, you're going to use it all the time whenever you hire. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Use it for free. Hire the right people the first time. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury.
See thousands of artifacts from early America, World War II, pop culture, movie history, and more as Mercury Museum presents Liars or Liberty, August 5th through August 7th in Las Colinas, Texas. Visit glennbeck.com slash liars or liberty for tickets and details. We want to thank you so much for, um, for listening and, and, uh, and for reading and watching and doing all these things. You know, we, every time we put out a book, we have no idea what it's going to do. Um, and this one is doing very, very well, and we appreciate it. What is it, number six? Um, and we, releases, yes. we just really appreciate it for the first day out. And uh, I'm looking at Amazon. Amazon author rank, number 88. 88th best-selling author on Amazon. That's not even possible, is it? Is that, like, ever? It just says, see top 100 authors... Author, Amazon rank, Glenn Beck, number 88 overall. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's amazing. That's crazy. And it's all because of you. And we thank you so much. The ability to to write these books. I mean, we spent a year on this book um, and had um, three separate researchers, a co-author, and then we had um, medical researchers, um, behavioral scientists that also worked on this book. And it was a lot of hard work. And um, we're grateful that you find it um, uh, worthy of spending money on. And I would ask that you not only read it, you just download it and read it. I would ask that you would get a, a copy of this book, an actual hard copy of this book, and you keep it for your children or your grandchildren because history is written by the losers. I'm sorry, by the winners. We're the loser right now, and we have to be able to get over this hump, and this history has already been erased. When you see what we have uncovered, it's remarkable, remarkable what we don't know. And, um, and really, it should, set, it should set the youth of this country off. They should look at this stuff and say, why has this been kept from me? And there are 50 pages of teeny print footnotes that we would really like you to, uh, to see and show to your, your family, your children, um, because your family and your children should be able to um, go and do um, book reports on this and be able to see a book report and have the footnotes and don't use me. This is all original sources, so don't use me in your book report, but... They need to challenge their college professors. They need to challenge their high school professors. And they need to be little warriors on this stuff. And this book will um, help them do that. And we have to preserve history because we are entering a much different time. One of the interesting things, maybe it's just interesting to me, that I I got from the book was, uh, you know, you can really tell what the leader is going to be like how, what their ideology is by who they lo- who who they respect and admire, who they look oh, up yeah. to. For uh, Woodrow Wilson, it was William Jennings Bryan, mm-hmm. and then uh, for FDR, it was Woodrow Wilson, mm-hmm. and then for LBJ, it was FDR and, and Wilson. Wilson. Yep. For Barack Obama, it is Lyndon Johnson, FDR, Woodrow Wilson, and the same for Hillary. And and then you throw in Saul Alinsky in there. So we you heard, know what their style, you know they're going to be 
hardcore leftists. Right. Hardcore. 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 Who, who, has anybody heard who Donald Trump's favorite presidents are? Have you ever heard him ask, answer that question? That'd be interesting to so. hear. I don't think so. He's, he's answered who he thinks the worst president uh, of all time is, um, which is a, about every Bush president. Bush. It was and Bush and Obama. Obama. And, uh, yeah. Whoever serves him. So I don't know if he has it. Right. I don't know if he I don't know if he actually knows. But we do know Hillary. And it's LBJ, FDR, and Wilson. Oh, that is really bad. Really bad. Really bad. Pick up the new book, Liars. It is on sale everywhere right now. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Does anybody care about the uh, story of $400 million being paid to the Iranians by the United States of America for the release of our our, uh, hostages? No, because that was not quid pro quo, Glenn. It just happened to be a coincidence that that payment happened. There were separate negotiating teams. It uh-huh. happened in a separate way at a uh-huh. separate time. It wasn't, was. even, wasn't even American money. Wooden pallets stacked with euros. You want to make your blood boil. Mm-hmm. Wooden pallets stacked with euros, Swiss francs, and other currencies were flown into Iran on an, unmar- an, on an unmarked cargo plane, according to U.S. officials. Nothing screams coincidence like that. Right. The U.S. procured the money from central banks of the Netherlands and Switzerland. This is unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely... If, if the press doesn't go wild over this, they're not it's going unbelievable. To. They're not they're going, not going to. to. And and they went crazy over the Iran. Over Ronald Reagan. And think about this. The exact same thing, only the Reagan thing didn't go to Iran. It, it the went money went to the Contras. To people fighting communism. So at least it was in our interest. Yep. I mean, it was crazy. And I was against, I remember, I was very disappointed in Ronald Reagan when this happened. That's the only thing that Ronald Reagan did that I felt was wrong. Well, and that, I don't know. That and the, and the amnesty. Well, yeah, but the amnesty thing, he, he, had, he came back and said, he came back and said that was a huge mistake of his. Yeah, he did. He came back and said that was a huge mistake. Biggest mistake. naive. Yeah. Right, biggest mistake. He never admitted to anything in the Iran-Contra. So I don't know if it happened. And I could believe that they kept him at arm's distance. Doubt it. But But I doubt it. Right. Okay. So it is possible, but I doubt it. Um, And that really bothered me. That took a lot of, uh, and just put a lot of tarnish on Ronald Reagan for me. That was money that went to fight communists on our own continent. This is $400 million that we went to a central bank in the Netherlands and a central bank in Switzerland and said, hey, give us $400 million on pallets. Then we put it on an unmarked cargo plane and flew it into Tehran. And then they released our hostages. And you watch, 
Nobody is. This should be the lead story everywhere. Barack Obama should be remembered as negotiating and paying for uh, hostages against a terrorist nation. But nobody's going to say anything. It's, it's remarkable. Um, WikiLeaks is about to, uh, and I, I'm going to stop calling them WikiLeaks. The Russians are about to release um, what they say is new evidence, proof from Hillary's emails, hello, from Hillary's emails that show we were running guns to Syrians, the Syrian rebels, which turned out to be ISIS, from Benghazi. Now, that's what I said was happening three days after Benghazi. Benghazi happened, what, on a Friday or a Thursday? And we said that that's why Chris Ambassador Stevens was even there. Because he he had to be to to negotiate whatever deal was Exactly right. To negotiate a deal. Everybody else had left. Right. And the Turkish ambassador, remember the Turkish ambassador left. That wasn't even covered in the movie, I don't think. He met with a Turkish ambassador. um, And the Turkish ambassador left the compound about an hour and a half before. And we said, and that was our first tip-off. What was the Turkish ambassador doing there? Why Why were they meeting there? Very, very dangerous. Hotbed makes no sense. Why? Why did he fly in a, or took a boat? Remember? He took a boat, didn't even fly. He took a boat almost undercover, Chris Stevens, to get to the embassy. Um, And then he uh, meets with a Turkish ambassador. An hour and a half later, they're attacked. Why? Because we were running guns. Now, they blamed it on the movie. They didn't want us to know they were running guns. Nobody's going to care. The press will not cover it. Just like they're not covering this, this stuff with, um, with Russia. Russia, they're trying to protect Hillary Clinton. Russia is trying to collapse us with this information. And if, <sighs> if you're a reporter and they tell you it was a coincidence, there was no quid pro quo... I don't know how you follow up, how you don't follow up with, then why did you pay them that way? How is it possible? First of all, you didn't mention this payment, this $400 million in cash. Secondly, why did you send it in an unmarked cargo plane? Cargo plane. Why wouldn't you tell the American people? Yeah. Why why didn't you just, you know, do a banking transaction like you normally do and, and announce it that, okay, by the way, we're also... This is where we're clearing up our, I mean, our, de- our separate deal. Here's, here's what happens. When you're doing a regular business transaction um, and you're buying your children back from the kidnappers because they've set up a, a, you know, a, a legitimate kidnapping business, you just transfer the funds to their bank account. But usually it doesn't happen that way. Usually kidnappers and people who are holding people hostage <clears throat> say... You send this to us, put it in a standard briefcase, no marked bills, and you meet us someplace, and you come alone, and don't let anybody know you're coming. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which one does this sound like? Does this sound like a typical business transaction, or does this sound like a kidnapping ransom? Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. 
I, there's I always just, these excuses. Every controversy, and go back to Iran Contra, all, all, all these controversies always have this justification yes. that it was actually, we but, meant to do something else and they weren't connected. But they will still, the left and the press will still bring up, when you talk about Ronald Reagan, they will still say, yeah, well, he Iran was Contra. Iran Contra, Iran Contra, Iran Contra. Was that corrupt. was the only Iran scandal Contra. he had. Yeah. And that shook, that, that shook people like me to the core. It's not shaking anybody, left or right. I don't think anybody is, I don't think this is going to be a big deal. I don't think this is going to be a big deal. I don't think the Hillary running guns documents, I think Russia is going to be so surprised. Now, here's what I would do with Russia if I were Russian. If I'm Vladimir Putin, I'm, I'm trying to sow the seeds of revolution. So what I do is I don't take my best stuff. I take some good stuff. And I release it to the American people in the press through WikiLeaks. And then I see what happens. And I see, is the press going to pick up on this? Is anybody going to pick up on this? Then I wait and I watch and I see what happens. Then I release something a little bit juicier, a little bit more targeted right towards her. And I watch the press. Then I try it maybe one more time. If it doesn't really affect this, if it doesn't affect the election, if the American people don't care the third time, I'm kind of sitting on a pile of useless information. However, I haven't released the most toxic stuff. I would have held in reserve if I have evidence that her charity is a complete quid pro quo, uh, complete sham, yeah, where she did favors right. certain countries for right. a payment to the foundation while she was the head of the State Department. Right. I hold all of that back. I and don't... There's I a don't, lot of evidence to suggest that's correct. exactly what happened. So I hold whatever I have that is the very best, I hold that back. I'll bet they have that. I bet they do too. And I, I bet they hold that back in case she's won. You try to destroy her, but if she wins... You better hold something really powerful because you're going to want to use that as blackmail. You don't want this one coming out because the fear of it coming out is enough to motivate the president to do something. This is the worst case scenario that we have always talked about, that you compromise yourself, you've done something wrong, somebody hacks into the system and a foreign government gets it, and now the president is beholden to that foreign nation. This is what's happening right now with Hillary Clinton. And I haven't seen this case made. Have you seen this case made on TV? No. Mm. I'm not seeing this case made anywhere. Everybody's saying, you know, well, he's uh, Donald Trump doesn't have the temperament. He, he's unfit to be president. Uh, okay, I agree with you. But so is she. Oh, yeah. She's now gettable by a foreign government. They are now releasing, and you don't release your best stuff. You hold it back. You don't release your best stuff. And if you don't hold it back for the, um, you don't hold it back for the, um, uh, the bribery afterwards, you at least hold it back until the week before the election. There's got to be something that is dropped the week before the election. If you really want Trump to be president, that's yes. what you would do. 
That, that's what they say they want. Yeah. We have them on tape in English yeah. saying that's what they want. And it makes a lot more sense to wait until then, because right now people will forget. You're just sowing the seeds. Yeah. You're just plowing the fields right now. And you just keep dribs and drabs and keep coming out with more and more. But the problem is, when you do it that way, will it matter to people? Will they just get tired of it and go, I know, I've already heard all that stuff. It's already happened with the email thing and Benghazi. You see the story on Lois Lois Lerner today? No. Now people, Lois Lerner, now people in the IRS are coming out and they're saying, she's a monster. She was an absolute monster. Where was that story? Right. Where was that? Three, four years ago. Right. Where was that? Now they're coming out and saying she was, she was like a dictator at the IRS. She would destroy you if you stood against her. Mm. She absolutely had the personality to do exactly what she was charged with. Now they're coming out. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. And nobody cares. See, this is why... This is why this is why I don't have hope sometimes, is because... <laughs> yeah, you laid that one out right there. <laughs> I think that was laid out well uh, right there. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, I can't because I had the same thought there yeah. as you were saying it. It's like, yeah. what, why would you have hope? Right. If, um, if people don't care, if they don't want it, it's, it's Afghanistan. You go into Afghanistan, you free them from the Taliban. But they don't really know what freedom even looks like. They've never had it before. And so they're not desirous of it. And so they won't do it themselves. And if people won't do it themselves, then nobody can give it to you. You have to earn freedom. You have to want freedom. You have to be willing to work, fight, die, care about, talk about freedom. We're not. We're not. I just wish there was someone who wrote a book about how progressives exploit our fears for power and control that uh, explain only. something. Oh, oh my gosh. Only. I got that book. I just wrote that book. It's called Liars. You did? Yes. Why haven't uh, we talked about I it? I don't know. And it's available at bookstores everywhere. Um, here's our sponsor this half hour. Um, Casper. Casper Mattress was Time Magazine. Time Magazine named it uh, one of the best inventions of 2015. Now, this is a, a, the best invention, but it is also the biggest disruptor of our day. Casper Mattress has come up with a new foam mattress that doesn't stink and doesn't keep you hot. Um, because that's the bad thing about foam mattresses. It traps the heat and you wake up in the middle of the night just dying from heat. Um, Casper Mattress, they came up with this new foam that doesn't smell and also doesn't have the heat. It keeps you cool at night. So it, that's why Time Magazine said best invention. But they are a disruptor of the year as well because Casper has made this great mattress, cut the price. Like, I mean, honestly, you will not believe the price of this mattress. You go and look for a mattress of this quality in a store, twice as much money. Casper mattress has cut out the middleman. They sell directly to you. And I don't know what you can possibly learn by laying on a bed for, you know, 15 minutes or half an hour in a store. You're dressed. You're not sleeping. I mean, how do you know? Casper Mattress is going to send this to you for 100 nights. And if you don't like it at 100 nights or, you know, day number 10, if you don't like it within the first third of the year, all you have to do is call them up. They'll come pick it up and refund every dime. They pay for the shipping back. 
They have revolutionized not only the mattress, but the way we buy mattresses. It's Casper. Best night's sleep you're going to have ever. Casper.com. Go to Casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get $50 off. Terms and conditions do apply. It is Casper.com. Promo code BECK. You're listening. You're listening. To the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Listening to the Glenn Beck program. So, how do you feel about Donald Trump not uh, supporting uh, John McCain and Kelly Ayotte? I actually feel pretty good about that. I actually do too. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really afraid we're going to lose the House and the Senate under him uh, with him at the top of the ticket, but I'm actually kind of. Here's what I don't like. Did you see his reasoning for for doing it? No. He said, they've never supported me, and oh, I'm sure we have to yeah. be loyal. I expect loyalty. Right. Uh, that's different than saying, I disagree with their political wow. stance. That doesn't sound like a communist dictator. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it does. Yeah. I mean, I, let me read. Let me see if I, I can find this. Let me read the exact quote. Um, uh, New Hampshire is one of my favorite places. Uh, first primary. You have, uh, you have Kelly Ayotte, who doesn't want to talk about Trump. And I'm beating her in the polls. You tell me. Are these people we should be, that should be representing us? You tell me. Um, uh, I don't know Kelly Ayotte. I know that she's giving me no support, zero support. And yet I'm leading her in the polls. I'm doing very well in New Hampshire. We need loyal people in this country. We need fighters. We don't need weak people. We've had enough of them. We need fighters. But she's given me zero report. As you might imagine. Zero, zero support. As you might imagine, he's, uh, of course, behind her by about six points in the polls. Uh, oh, so he's oh, not even not beating her either? Of course not. Of course he's not. Oh, my gosh. That's unreal. My problem with this is that he needs a loyalty pledge. Yeah, mine too. People. I mean, I, I'd be supportive problem. if he said, hey, I don't agree with their policies. But he's not. He's saying they're not loyal to me. Right. So I'm going to exactly. throw him under the bus. His other problem is he can't get through a sentence without lying. <laughs> minor, minor. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I, uh, I want to further a conversation that we've been having uh, today about Vladimir Putin and what Vladimir Putin is doing uh, to the U.S. and what he plans on doing to the U.S. He is fomenting revolution in our streets by hacking into the DNC, hacking emails. I, I think he's, he's cute and quaint. I think he still thinks the American people care that there's corruption <laughs> in our government, um, but he is trying to take us down. Now, there's some interesting connections uh, on the Clinton side, some interesting hero, um, uh, history, and some very interesting connections on the Trump side. 
who would be better? Who could, would Hillary have anything that, that they could hold her, hold over her head? I mean, if. What could it be? What could it be? If we don't care about the things that are coming out now, what could they possibly hold over their head and say, well, I've got pictures of you killing people with your own hands. Oh, well, nobody's going to care. What would it be? We'll, we'll have, we'll have that coming up in. Well, we're going to do that right now. <laughs> I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Because we have one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Because we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Programme. Dr. Paul Kangor, a professor at Grove City College. He is the author of over a dozen books, including the communist Frank Marshall Davis, the untold story of Barack Obama's uh, mentor, a book that um, uh, he did for Mercury, and we're pleased to work with him. He's a really good guy, very clear thinker. Um, He has a a new article in the Conservative Review about the relationship with Vladimir Putin – and uh, Donald Trump, and we want to talk to him a little bit about Hillary Clinton and her relationship with Putin and the Russians and what's happening right now. Welcome to the program, Doctor. How are you? Hey, good, Glenn. Good to be back. Um, tell me what um, are, are you following at all, Paul? Um, uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, advisor, um, Alexander Dugan. Oh yeah, yeah. He's um, he's kind of a scary individual. You know, he, uh, he's, he's somebody like a lot of the Russian leadership and certainly Putin. He's, um, he's very shrewd. He's very Machiavellian. And, you know, the, these guys are experts at the art of manipulation. Uh, you know, they, they, were, they, were bred, they were bred that way. They were raised that way. You know, Putin was, was, was trained that way in the KGB, 15-year career in the KGB, rising to the level of lieutenant colonel. So, yeah, both of these guys have their eyes on, on the two party nominees right now. And I think, frankly, Glenn, they see in Hillary a chance for potential blackmail if they can. That explains why they're going after the emails, because of her corruption, her sloppiness. And I think they see in Trump a case of someone that you could flatter because of his narcissism and really exploit him in an altogether different way. But, but with both of them, you know, the intentions aren't good. The intentions are the intentions are really, I think, to take us down in America, to weaken us in America, to really allow Putin's Russia to expand and, uh, and create that, that greater mother Russia that, uh, that, that he misses. I think, Paul, that we are at a point now um, where it is very possible we may be the Soviet Union 1990 and Putin may be playing the role of, you know, Thatcher or Reagan or Pope John Paul. <laughs> right, um, right. I mean, they, they are, at least Dugan is on record saying that um, we are close in America, um, we are headed towards a revolution, and they want that to happen. They need to do everything they can as Russians to make that happen. It'll be good for them. Um, with the West, they are, sowing, they, are, they are paying for a lot of the campaigns uh, and the crowds for the far right in Europe. Uh, I think they see uh, 
uh, Trump as a loose cannon that could be manipulated through praise. And I want you to go into that a little bit. Sure. But also somebody that, you know, they, they can push around and, and will be subservient to them. And I think, I mean, um, Dugan is a guy who said Hitler didn't go far enough. Mm. And he wants a world that is run by fascists. Yeah. And uh, I think he he believes now Trump may never be this, but um, I think they believe that if the world becomes unstable, he's exactly the kind of guy that becomes a dictator. Yeah, they, they, they don't need Trump to be a fascist. They need Trump to be kind of a dupe, you know, somebody that they could convince, look, we like you. And and how many times has Trump now said Putin likes me? You know, he said that a number of times, and and this is really you know, we we've talked about this, Glenn. When we say, you know, Trump has some real temperamental problems, personality issues. He's an obvious <laughs> textbook case of narcissism, and people wonder, well, yeah, but how can that really hurt policy? Well, it it can in the case of Russia, and and especially the Russians are masters at doing psychological profiles of, of foreign oh, yeah. leaders, of American leaders. I think of uh, they did a profile of Ronald Reagan in the 1970s where they said, you know, this Reagan guy, he's different. You know, th- this isn't Nixon. This guy is principled. He's very moral. Right, we're not going to be able to simply do to him what we what we did what we did with Nixon, and in Trump, it's it's painfully clear, obviously clear to them right now that if you simply praise the man or make him think mm-hmm. that that you like mm-hmm. him, you could probably play him like a fiddle, and 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 mm-hmm. they played Obama like a fiddle the first four years. I think, frankly, probably Obama learned, but only too late after Putin took uh, took the Crimea. That um, that they weren't really his friends, or again, may, maybe they can be friends. But if you're the friends of Putin, he's still going to abuse you. He's still going to prey on your friendship. But you know, this is something that that Trump should have learned from watching Obama. And as I say in the Conservative Review article, this is something that uh, really America learned 70 years ago when when Franklin Roosevelt was abused by the Russians, and in the case of uh, Joseph Stalin, because he said the same thing that. I mean, exact words that Donald it, it, Trump it's amazing. said. It, it's amazing. When, when I saw those words from Trump, he likes me, he likes me. And, and it, it, just, it just stuck out to me because I thought, you know, I've heard that before. Where did I hear that, that before? So I just went to, went to Microsoft Word. I opened my laptop. I went to a book I did called Dupes, ironically. And I just went to the electronic file, and I typed in the words, he likes me. <laughs> and out of 247,000 words, uh, this quote popped up. This is FDR talking to Churchill in March 1942. I think I can personally handle Stalin better than either your foreign office or my State Department. Stalin hates the guts of all your people. He thinks he likes me better. He likes me better. And, you know, Stalin showed that like of FDR by rolling all over Eastern Europe. You know, taking the yep. hammering the Ukraine, yep. taking Poland, he abused the hell out of FDR, and and FDR to his credit, well, I don't know, kind of, but by the end of his life, which is really too late, just like it was too late when Carter learned in 1980, and Obama maybe learned in his second term, FDR learned, and this is he said this to Anna Rosenberg three weeks before he died, we can't do business with Stalin. He's broken every one of the promises he made at Yalta. 
So, so FDR learned, and Trump, who's no student of history, he's no student of the Soviet Union or of Russia and Putin, um, he shouldn't fall for this same fatal conceit. But I, Trump, I think, has, suffers from personality disorders far worse than FDR ever did. And this, this whole Putin likes me attitude is really a fatal conceit. And you know, Trump is a narcissist. Putin is a Machiavellian. And he's a Russian Machiavellian, and if Trump isn't careful, uh, uh, Putin is ready, more than willing, to take full, full advantage of so, that from a President Trump. But, Paul, which one is worse? She's completely corrupt. Yeah. She is completely um, prone to blackmail. Right. She, right. Has, she has a horrible record. She's completely misread the Russians. I mean, which one's worse? No, it's a great question, and thank you, because I want to clarify for people listening. Please don't think I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. I'm absolutely not. You couldn't put a gun to my head and make, make me vote for Hillary Clinton. But, yeah, this is what we come down to, right? <laughs> ben Sass said the great dumpster fire election of 2016. You don't really have a good choice. You've, you've got Trump with a horrible naivete toward, toward the Russians. And then you got Hillary Clinton with altogether different problems. And, and, and I, but I you think also that... with, but, but also with Donald Trump, you have Burt on his team, you right. have Carter on his team, and you have Manafort on his team. Manafort. Who are all one degree away from Vladimir Putin, all with massive financial incentive to support Vladimir Putin. One is, you know, instrumental in Gazprom. One is instrumental in in their main bank over in uh, Russia. And the other one, you know, is it's it appears is still working for the former president of the Ukraine that the people threw out. Well, that's right. And and, and people, you know, they're listening, conservatives, anti-communists, pro-Reagan people, Republicans. I, I want you to think about this. You know, you folks and people like myself and Glenn, we've spent 20 years praising Ronald Reagan and commending Reagan for taking down the Soviet Union, taking down this greater, expansive Russia. And now we're looking at, at, at the Republican nominee being somebody who the Russians are looking at and thinking to themselves, if this guy gets in, maybe he will allow us to go into the Ukraine. Maybe he'll allow us to go back into Eastern Europe and Central maybe Europe. He'll, maybe he'll destroy the, um, the NATO alliance for us. That's right. And, and the things that he's, that he's said. I talk all the time, email all the time with people in Poland, and I write for a regular column for a, a Polish publication. I'm close to a number of people there. They're, you know, they're really horrified. And, and, and the people of Poland, I mean, their enemy in the United States elections has been the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama, they do not like FDR at all in Poland. They, they've been building statues to Ronald Reagan in Warsaw for a couple decades now. And so they kind of reflexively go with the Republican nominee. And right now, seeing what they're seeing with Trump on the Republican side, it really scares them. I, I saw today a mural of, uh, in Lithuania, in Vilnius, of, of Trump and Putin kissing each other. And you know that's what the Lithuanians are afraid of. You know, you know normally th- these these are these are the good guys: the Lithuanians, the Estonians, the Poles, the Ukrainians. And right now they're all lining up against the Republican this year. Not that they like Hillary Clinton either. 
but they're really worried about uh, what's happened with the Republican Party, the party of Reagan. They're wondering if they can if they can count on the Republican nominee this well, year. Well, to, to show you how far we have come away from Ronald Reagan, and you probably know better than me, and you might even remember the man's name, you know, they, they have operatives that are watching all of us. They pay close attention to our elections. And so they have operatives that do the personality profiles and really study each one of these people. I think it was in 1976 that um, uh, one of their KGB operatives uh, came to the then Soviet premier and said, uh, there is one guy that everybody's been dismissing that I don't think we should because if he ever gains power, he could be the end of us. And it was this this little-known global figure at the time, Ronald Reagan, who had just lost. And the KGB said, he's lost, he's not going to go anywhere, he's been around for a while. But this guy had studied his whole history uh, from the 1950s and 60s and saw his transformation and saw what he he actually believed. And that's when the Soviet premier said, follow him, watch him. And they were ready for Ronald Reagan because they were afraid of Ronald Reagan here we have a candidate where, where the advisors to Putin are saying, pour your money and your support into this guy. That's terrifying. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, I first found articles on Reagan in the Soviet <laughs> press. It was in Pravda and Izvestia in 1975. And you could mm. tell by the tone of those articles, they really condemned him. You could tell they were worried. I mean, they were yeah. absolutely worried about this guy. And here you have instead, in the case of, of Donald Trump, uh, he said on uh, George Stephanopoulos' show on Sunday uh, about Putin, uh, quote, he said some nice things about me over the years. Well, who cares? Right. Uh, I I remember years ago, he said something many years ago. He said something very nice about me. Well, so what? I I, I mean, who cares if he says nice things about you? That's not what's important. But 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 to Trump, it is. And the Russians see that and they just light up. They think uh, this is really an opportunity. Now, in Hillary, it's a different animal altogether. I mean, (laughs) you know, they know that Hillary doesn't like them and they don't like her, which is why I think you see what's going on with the emails. You know, they're hoping to tap in and find something on Hillary that they could use against her, because there is one thing that the Russians know better than manipulation. It's blackmail. Yeah. So, uh, so, but, but again, here they they've got their eyes on on the two nominees this year. They see this as, as a ripe opportunity for with America that they haven't seen in in decades. Okay. Uh, Paul, thank you so much, um, and we'll talk to you again soon, Paul Paul Kangor. Um, I want to talk to you uh, here about uh, Goldline. Let me give you this stat. We've been talking about Deutsche Bank for the last few weeks, and this is the big German bank. Um, a global bank, that if it collapses, it will have all kinds of problems. Their exposure now is about $70 trillion. Um, That's about 10% of all of the global derivatives, okay? If 10% of the global de- de- um, um, uh, derivatives collapse, everything collapses. Here's the deal. <clears throat> Deutsche Bank is leveraged now against, they are about to go under, and they are leveraged 2,399 times. Imagine, what this means is, imagine you go into a bank and you say, I want to borrow $2,300. 
I need to borrow $2,300. Well, we're going to need a down payment to secure that. Okay, how much do you need? A dollar. They have 2,399 times um, leveraged. So that is having buying a house or a car for $2,400 and only needing a dollar. If you go under, you have no equity. You have nothing. There's no way you can get out of that. That's what Deutsche Bank has done. And it is close to collapse. They just ran another stress test. It was one of the four banks that didn't make it. When it happens, it's going to go down fast. Please, please call Goldline and find out if gold or silver is right for you. Ask them about their legal tender unit. It's a, a little square coin made by the Perth Mint that is a tenth of an ounce of gold. It's easy to distribute with your family. It's easy for barter. Please, please call Goldline. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Progressive movement is full of lies. And Americans continue to keep falling for the deception over and over again. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck helps us understand why. Liars, on sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. So glad, so glad that you've uh, joined us today. Um, NBC, just saw this headline, NBC chief hints that OTT is on its way. OTT is what's called over the top, which means digital streaming which is basically like the blaze. We were the first to do OTT for television or, or anything like this. Um, uh, HBO does it now, obviously. CBS, yeah, I think, CBS does this. Is a great plan. This is a sign that television is going away. <clears throat> I just saw a deal on advertising <clears throat> that advertising is now, has now um, crossed the bridge, that advertising on television is nowhere near as effective as it is on online. And so if you are advertising, you know, uh, carefully, like on Facebook and Google and things like that, and you're selecting, you're using metadata, Mm -hmm. it's much more um, uh, cost-effective than television is. When that really is understood, television is... I mean, when television just... Everybody just dumps money into television now. When that cash cow goes to the internet, television networks are over. Well, it's interesting that uh, we're seeing that in the campaign, right? I mean, Trump is... I think uh, Clinton has reserved $98 million of ads and Trump has reserved $1 million of ads. Yeah. So he's saying... $1 million of ads. So he's saying... Uh, this is a strategy. This is not that Trump can't raise money or doesn't have money right. to do it. It's just that this is his strategy. No, I, and I think he's right. It was, it was too early, you know, in 08, but it was beginning. Now you're, you're going to see that. I mean, I think we already see it. We live online now. We watch our TV generally online in most parts of the country. It's, it's a totally different world. Back in a minute. 
Mercury. Beck program. <laughs> really great article um, today on the Daily Wire. It's about um, it's about Donald Trump has has a chance right now to become president of the United States, but he can't blow it. Now listen to this: the presidency was always Donald Trump's to lose, but right now he is losing it in a spectacular fashion. After roaring out of the convention with a nifty bounce, primarily due to a superbly empathetic speech, the billionaire businessman looked like a president. In a change election year, this is the only test a legitimate outsider must pass. Trump was also handed six big gifts. The WikiLeaks dump, exposing the Democratic National Committee's duplicity against Bernie Sanders. Hillary Clinton's disappointing speech. Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe admitting that Hillary is lying to the working class and as president will indeed support the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement. Four, the 1.2 GDP growth rate. Five, a number of refugee terror attacks in Europe. And six, the news Monday that President Obama secretly paid $400 million ransom to Iran's mullahs. Our corrupt mainstream media can protect Democrats from everything but reality, and reality is pitching them slow and over the plate for Donald Trump. Therefore, he should be enjoying the greatest news cycle of the campaign so far. But instead, he's in the dugout and screaming on the phone, screaming at babies, Gold Star parents, Paul Ryan and Kelly Ayotte. The only good news is that Donald, for Donald Trump is that it's early August. For months, going back to before Thanksgiving, I have said that the presidency is Trump's to lose. He still has the skill set and policies to beat the corrupt media, the Democrats, and the never-Trumpers. Thus far, he has proven me 100% correct. Going so far as to take a post-convention lead against the sociopath Hillary Clinton. But I have also said, in order to win, he has to turn, uh, turn it down from an 11 to a 6.5 in volume. He must prove to the voters that he can become the president. My 6.5 means that Trump still remains Trump, crucially important, the change agent, the fearless brawler, the different Republican with counterintuitive skills that correctly tell him to attack the widely despised Ted Cruz. Unfortunately, Trump's 6.5 only lasted for a few hours after the convention. Now, I want you to understand, this is obviously being written by a supporter. Listen, I get that Trump is angry at the demagogue Khan, who, uh, a father who callously stood on the corpse of his hero son to launch a non-sequitur attack on the GOP nominee. In a moral universe, Trump was right to respond to Khan's sickening PC blackmail, right to ignore this disgusting coward holding up his dead son to shield himself from criticism, and the same is true for McCain, Ryan, and Ayotte. Yet, they all got it, yes, they all got it coming, no question. 
Unfortunately, presidential campaigns do not take place in a moral universe. Rather, they take place in the hurly-burly of an unjust media-created world where all that matters is competence. Whether, uh, uh, where, um, where how well you lie and how effectively you hurl false accusations of murder are offered up as proof of said competence. Think of that. Wow. Voters don't care about honesty or truth. They do care about competence. And right now, Donald Trump is in a six-day death spiral of incompetence. And this is where he can lose it all. If Trump really wants to get back at his enemies, he will prove them spectacularly wrong by admitting, uh, by immediately getting his act together and showing some presidential discipline. That's not only how he wins the most prized office in the land and goes down in history as the greatest salesman in the world, but also how he shoves it up the butt of those who grind him into dust. Nicely put. Yeah. I can think of no greater horror for the prideful Trump than to lose a presidential election he could have easily won and in the process prove all of his enemies 100% correct when they said he could never change. What a humiliating epitaph and legacy. Trump has two choices. He can get a teleprompter and message discipline, or he can die as a punchline. He probably has one more chance to prove to voters that he can learn from his mistakes. Voters who desperately want the change he represents. But once voters lose faith in the ability to summon real discipline... The remaining days of the campaign will be the worst days of his life. Trump, 6.5 volume level, becomes President Trump. Trump, 11, becomes the loser who skulks home with a set of steak knives as all history points and laughs until the end of civilization. And no one will defend him because those of us who believed he could change will have no choice but to admit we were wrong. Except they won't, and he no. won't be humili- humiliated, and here's why. He's already set up his excuse. Yep. It was rigged. The, they rigged the election. I don't think those people who, I, I think there, uh, there will always be those people. There will always be those people. There will he, always he's be. He's going to be that guy, though. No, if he's he loses, them. Yes. he will All not right. accept that he lost. He will, he will blame it on a rigged election. Look, he is, he is if it, he really has to have a come-to-Jesus moment. He really has to get serious. I don't think he's going to. I don't think so either. But he has to get serious or it's not just him losing the presidency. He uh, NBC has already said he's never coming back. He is never coming back to do The Apprentice. He has so damaged his brand that I'll never stay in a Trump hotel again. Trump name means something to me. Trump, Trump, put a pillow over your face in the middle of the night if you stay away from at this point. Trump, Trump <laughs> now means something entirely different. It always meant arrogant, but it, it kind of meant arrogant funny. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's not arrogant funny anymore. No. And if he wins the presidency and he's a good president, we all kind of get over that. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We, we're the, I'm the first to tell you right now, and I mean this sincerely, if he's doing a great job as president, I'm the first to say, wow, I was wrong. Yeah, I will have, be thrilled to I'd be, be wrong thrilled because we all win. Not to mention, day if he wins the presidency, the day he's inaugurated is a clean slate. He he, st- I'll forget all the stuff yes. that bothers me about Donald Trump if he does a good job as president. Yeah, 
He's to get all there. of our president. Yeah, I mean, he becomes all of our president. I, by the way, we gave that same benefit to Barack Obama. Yes. Uh, he did not utilize it very well. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, once you get there, if you're the president, I mean, I obviously want the president to do a good job. I don't want them to do it with crazy progressive policies um, because that's not a good job to me. Uh, but if they come in and they do, if he, he comes in and he's the next Ronald Reagan, we're all going to cheer. Yep. I'll be more than, I'll be thrilled to be yep. wrong on that one. Yep. But if he loses, he really does become a punchline because every, first of all, Culture right now is controlled by the left. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a punchline. You know, he's going to... What they did to Sarah Palin, and, and Sarah Palin and Donald Trump have a lot in common. They both don't help themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were on the road. You know, Sarah Palin was on the road to being a punchline, and then they made her a punchline, but a lot of people defended her until... She was like, wow, you're really, you are that punchline. Donald Trump could be easily the same thing, and he loses a lot. Well, and if anyone knows his lessons, Donald Trump. I mean, it's a guy who's talked about himself being a winner the whole time. He knows when you don't win, these things happen to you. Yes. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will be running back to say how uh, against Trump they were the whole time. Uh, I hope they run back into the arms of the Constitution. I mean, I'll cheer that along as well. I don't care, you know. I don't trust those people, though, anymore. I don't trust. I don't people. either. But the next, the next guy who comes along and just says, "I can win," and we got to beat them, uh, they'll run into his arms too, or her arms. So I mean, I, you know, I, I don't. To, know I was trying I... to be positive for once. That's all. No, I know. I, I was know. trying to have a moment of positivity. You're right. You're right. It. You've ruined the. Moment we should have. We should. We should start having moments of zen on the program from time to time. <laughs> so, it, do, does anybody believe that Trump will take this supporters' advice? No. I don't. Do you believe that? Have you heard? He still might win, but he won't. Yeah, he right. still might he win, but he won't take he won't that, advice. that advice. Yeah, two, and two major reports on this quickly, Jeffy, before you go. One, uh, Gingrich, Giuliani, and Reince Priebus supposedly having an intervention meeting with him within the next 48 hours wow. because of how bad this has gone. That's one report. Another report, the RNC is actively looking at what they have to do if he decides to drop out which I think they believe that he, there's no indication at this moment he's going to do that. Right. But if the polls turn super south My on him, gosh, he'll say, be awesome. Michael Pelka was uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, yes, knows? it would, but who it are would, they going to put? dropped out, then you could even if you put Pence in. We'll take Pence. Yeah, get Pence or, you know, ask Cruz to get back in or uh, Mitt no. Romney. Once he's gone... I mean, this is just fantasy land at this point. It is fantasy land. However, I can't imagine him. I, I, I have to tell you, to be I, a winner, he can say it's. I, look, it was rigged, and I need to drop out okay. again. This is only if this turns further south. Yes. It's not near that. If he has a chance to win, he's going to stay in. He's got money. I couldn't. Even, I could never predict this because this whole thing is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you that just because of the Russians, here's, here's the scenario that keeps popping into my head. Now, I think there's a 10% chance of scenario, and I'm only thinking out loud here. But there is there's a, a small, small chance that Hillary is so damaged by what the Russians put out, and Donald Trump is so damaged by what he does, that a the poll numbers just shoot through the floor, and... Uh, the party, at least the GOP, knows I got. We got to get out of this. We got to get out of this. And Trump wants to get out of this. And somebody like a Mitt Romney, it would take somebody who has a household name 
at this point to be able to do it. And they come in and they say, uh, you know what, I'm going to end the insanity. Mitt Romney, not liked, I don't like his policies. But when you look at a Mitt Romney in comparison to uh, Donald Trump or um, uh, Hillary Clinton, at least you know he's an honest man. And generally stable. Yeah, he's stable. He's the guy, I mean, honestly, I said, I said last night with Megyn Kelly, I don't like his policies at all, but the one thing he got right was Russia. Everybody should be interviewing him on Russia. (laughs) Mitt, why did you say that back then? Now, using that example, though, but do you really think that there's something that uh, WikiLeaks can drop that uh, is going to make Hillary look any worse than she does now? No. Uh, By the way, there is a new release of, uh, uh, I was going to say WikiLeaks, but what I mean is the Russians uh, leaking uh, more emails that's coming out today. I don't know what's in them yet because they released them in just a giant batch that you have to search. But we'll be finding out over the next Here's one more thing that... um, Social media was all a blur yesterday um, because um, uh, on Tuesday night, Donald Trump's campaign manager let it slip that staffers were in the bunker. Um, uh, Long time, no, sorry, longtime ally of Donald Trump's campaign manager uh, tweeted last night, today is Wednesday, yeah? Correct. Uh, tweeted that staffers are in the bunker and, quote, downright suicidal. Now. And RNC coming to talk mm-hmm. to him. Right. And, and also this. Ben Carson's campaign team, two staffers that were holdovers from his campaign team, have also been uh, let go. And then another person tweeted that said, uh, I just got this quote from an inside source. Both of these guys have the ability to get an inside source, whether they're telling the truth or not, I don't know. But both of these guys are credible enough to have the access to an inside source. And the other guy said, um, I just want you to know, um, I just got a response, an email from somebody on the inside of the Trump campaign, and they said that tweet doesn't go far enough, that it is a horrible mess right now. And if, if this leads, lends credence um, to these tweets, if indeed all these guys are going to have an intervention, because Paul Manafort apparently is saying that Donald Trump will not listen to him, and he's, not, he's just given up. Well, welcome to the party, Paul. And may I just say, yeah, but Trump. Whoa! Oh, yeah, no, right, Why didn't right. anyone say that before? It, it could right? have a whole new light, and everything's fine. Could have saved this whole yeah, darn monologue. Yeah. Gosh, why didn't you say that last August? No. Now this. In a world that we live in today where, um, you know, there are people that want to take things from you that you have earned, but they believe they, if you can't keep it, well, then they've earned it. And it's just laying, leveling the playing field. Jeffy feels this way. <laughs> oh, the corruption in Jeffy's soul. Here's a way you can stop people like Jeffy from stealing things from you. Um, get a security system that's like having a guard stationed right at your door 24-7 uh, every single day, 24 hours a day. I, I put one of these just on Jeffy's car, uh, just in his car door. 
So every time he gets out of his car, the alarm goes off. Um, a lot of people think it's when the car door opens to you get in. No, we have it on the outside, <laughs> so it goes off when he gets out. Uh, Simply Safe Home Security gives you the protection you need, and it costs much less than what the big companies uh, charge. Simply Safe will save you money. Monitoring is $14.99 a month. There's no contract, so you can cancel whenever, and you own the system, so you can take it home with you. Simply Safe, the security system that we trust. Keeps Jeffy away from us. For the protection we trust, go to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. You go there now, you get a 10% discount off the system. It's simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Hey, if your daughter was sexually harassed at work, oh, that wouldn't. What would you? What would you? She's too strong. What would you? What would you? It's only weak women that are sexually harassed. You know that, right? Thank you. You learned that from Eric Trump yesterday. Uh, Did not his sister Ivanka. He did not say that. Strong woman. We wouldn't wouldn't let that happen. Be harassed. And if she did, then then she would just leave her job. That would be the way to solve that. Yeah, that's what I know that Donald Trump Donald said. said. Don, Donald said, I didn't hear there's only weak and, women that... Yeah, well, Eric said she's too strong a woman, implying... I don't know that he specifically said only weak women, but he said she's too strong to be sexually right. harassed. Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to tell you about a new school activity, the Satan Club. Oh, yeah. The after-school yeah. Satan Club coming up. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.